Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This week, three stars of It Chapter 2. First up, Bill Hader, followed by James McAvoy, and then Pennywise himself, Bill Skarsgård. It's all about It Chapter 2 on today's The Big Ticket. Stick around. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Now, here's Bill Hader. So, were you an It fan from like way back when? Did you ever read yeah. the book? Yeah, I liked it when I was uh, read it in uh, high school, and then I saw the miniseries when I was in middle school. What so. do you remember the miniseries? Uh, the the spider, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I mean, and like everybody liked Tim Curry. It was just yeah, you know, he was so Genius. so good in that. Yeah, it was amazing. So when they called you and said, "Hey, we're putting together the sequel to the seven hundred million dollar blockbuster." I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, they, we, really, no one ever talks about numbers on these things. They just kind of go like, "Hey, would you want to do this?" You know, it's always, uh, yeah, we don't see. It. No, no one ever looks at it that way. But uh, yeah, uh, I didn't really know how big of a hit the first one was until we started doing press for it. Really? And, yeah, it was like I just knew I liked it, but I don't really pay attention to that stuff. So it wasn't until we were doing press and people told us like, "We know it's the biggest." Horror, R-rated horror movie or whatever. And of I'm all like, time. Wow. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> so Finn puts it out there that he wants you to play him, the adult version. Yeah. So you get the call. So then do you sit down with Finn? Do you try to, like, study his mannerisms? No, no, Nothing not like at that. all. No, no. It was, it was, I saw the movie, I saw it in the theater, and then I watched it again on the plane on the way to Toronto. It happened to be on the plane. So I mm-hmm. sat and watched it again, and then that was about it. And... So much is, you know, casting or them seeing something in us that that helps it, and and so uh, yeah, I know yeah, that was why I enjoyed doing it. So tell us, chapter two begins. Where's Richie at? Where is he in his? Uh, Richie's a stand-up comedian. He's um, actually doing quite well, um, 
and uh, gets the call from Mike, you know, and he's like everybody, he's, he's forgotten about what happened to him 27 years ago or what happened to everybody. And going back and seeing Mike is kind of what brings it all, brings it all back. So what is it? What does it represent? I think it's just uh, fear and also, I always find it's this weird insecurity thing, but also mm-hmm. like the worst things that's, that have happened to you, that have defined you and how mm-hmm. you have to kind of get past that, you know? I think everybody has something um, what, what was Richie's? Well, I think Richie had a, you know, an issue, um, especially growing up in a small town and everything with his sexuality. And I think he uh, liked, um, you know, and I think the real first time he ever actually I think, felt love for somebody was Eddie, you mm-hmm. know, in his own way of dealing with it. And like a lot of comedians, you know, you're really funny, but you, you know, your comedy, uh, you use comedy as a boundary between other people mm-hmm. and also as a boundary in your own feelings, you mm-hmm. know. And there's probably something, you know, like Pennywise says, I know your secret, you know, it, you know it's a thing that he doesn't think anybody knows about. It's a thing he doesn't even understand about himself, probably. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think going back uh, for him was having to kind of face those that aspect of himself. Mm-hmm. And, and what's kind of tragic about the movie is that he can't really consummate that with the person he loves, mm-hmm. and not, not not just in a sexual way, but just in a in a in a actual emotional right. way, and um, but you know, hopefully he, he has a understanding of an acceptance of, of who he is. Yeah. And tell me about that scene in the lake, just when all of you just oh yeah and yeah yeah that was yeah that was where'd you shoot was, that we shot that. I want to say outside of Hamilton, Ontario, but it was freezing and it was it was summer and it was freezing, and we had a long talk about what the scene should be and we were all sitting in water and we were all <laughs> freezing. <laughs> I remember, I just remember uh, Jessica Chastain's lips turned completely blue, and, and her then, fair skin. That's and, and I was really going, blue. we need to get her out of the water. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Jessica was nice and got us B12 shots. And so we went up, and there was this doctor <laughs> sitting there, and he gave us all B12 shots because we were out B12 in the cold. B12 shots work. I don't know, but <laughs> if it was a placebo, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was heroin. I'll just say it was heroin. <laughs> I said B12, but it was all she. We we all shot up after the thing. No, um, but. Uh, but it was fun. It was really. It was nice to to. Um, it was nice shooting that scene, and and uh, I yeah. I hope people liked it. What was what was your last day on set like? Last day on set is actually my scene with Pennywise. The one when you're running away from. Yeah, that was wow. my very last day on set. That was my. Day. It was like I shot that and then hightailed it to the airport and got on a plane back to L.A. But I shot that. Uh, yeah, with with Bill, and it was a blast. And then, uh, uh, yeah, my very first shot of the movie is hitting the gong and mm-hmm. saying this: the, the Losers Club is just the, this meeting. Of Losers Club has begun. And then my last shot was when um, I get handed the pamphlet with my funeral service thing, and I look down on it, and, and that was. I shot that, and then they were like, "That's a wrap." Wow. Yeah. So, did you know from the beginning that Richie was gay, or is it something that evolved? That was something that we talked about um, 
when I arrived. Mm -hmm. And I know I, I learned about all this stuff about people thinking they're gay and not knowing if they're gay, or uh, you know, uh, and that it was implied in the book. And then I think Stephen King said it was never um, uh, he never thought of it that way, uh, but he likes the interpretation. And then, uh, um, but. Uh, and I talked to Andy about it, and we had a long conversation, and we just decided, like, oh, let's just do it, mm. you know. And the film does, I talked to you a little bit about this the other night, the film really, as much as it's a supernatural and, you know, this crazy dancing clown, it's dealing with some really heavy issues. Yeah, I yeah, mean, the domestic beginning, violence. You yeah, look at this opening scene. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I guess it's based on a real event. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that because it was... You know, it's like, no, this is, now we're grown-ups now, and, mm -hmm. and and when you grow up, those kind of things are the things that scare you. It's not so right. much uh, monsters or whatever. It's like you see something on the news, and you go, oh, gosh, that happened to me, or worse, someone I love or I care about. Right. And, uh, you know, then you go, well, now I can't go into that part of town anymore. <laughs> now when I leave a carnival, I need to go with, like, five <laughs> friends. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, it's uh, it changes your 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 life you right. know because you, you're trying to avoid those things so what did what what did you think the first time you saw bill skarsgård as pennywise it was great i mean he's just a great guy so it didn't really it wasn't really affect it didn't really affect us too much but we you know it was just like oh there's bill you know and then, <laughs> and then mostly that how uncomfortable he was and and then uh that he never complained about it i don't know uh -huh. how he I would have been like, can I please take these contacts out or whatever? <laughs> and he just, I mean, he we shot on a soundstage with him for a long time for the ending. And I mean, they were pouring ice down his back. I remember they had just these big things of ice and they were just putting it down his because back. It was just so, he was hot. so hot. Wow. I mean, it was so hot on those sets. And he was just, I mean, it was just steamy and, <laughs> oh, oh my God. Sounds glamorous. Yeah, no, man. I mean, we. I remember PJ and I were, we were in Isaiah, we were all like, we're like, oh man, I'm going kind of crazy uh, when we were shooting the whole end scene because, you know, it was just long hours and those blinking lights mm -hmm. all day and where it was easy to go a little, little cuckoo? banana, a little cuckoo, yeah. Did they have a therapist on set to make no, sure No, no, they should have, <laughs> yeah. No, we all started going like, oh my God, this is, this is going nuts, you know. So we had a soccer ball, so we would run out in the back and just, you know, that's how you blew up the with the crew and everybody because the crew had it worse than we do we have a trailers and stuff right. and they're sitting there for hours and hours and and so it, yeah these kind of like it wasn't soccer games it was just kicking a soccer ball around but it was fun and then jessica just covered in that fake blood yeah and then she was really cold in the blood and then she was cold <laughs> in the fake blood so it was this thing of like she's cold you know, Bill's hot, you know, it's just trying to <laughs> figure the whole thing out. But yeah, no, everybody had something that they were, they were, you know, uncomfortable with or, you know, I pulled a groin muscle and had to go to the, the doctor and like... Was that led. from running from Pennywise? Yeah, running from the, the when oh, the really? big, the big thing comes right. out and we all turn around and run. And did you know you pulled it right Oh, immediately. <laughs> I just fell right down and I was like, I just pulled my groin muscle. It was like, oh no. And I had to get an MRI on it. It stunk. They just... MRI and pulled groin? Or what you call it. Yeah, yeah. I did some sort of thing and I was just like laying there like, oh God, how did I do this? So what is it about clowns? I don't know. 
I'm I've not, never, I'm not I, scared I, I, of clowns. I've never been afraid of clowns, but people, that, PJ had a good thing, which is that clowns are the, kind of the first thing when you're a kid that are funny and they play with you and everything. So if that, if that thing turned out to be evil, if that thing was trying to get you it, it, psychologically, that nothing's safe, that See, everything like, has like some ulterior motive. Halloween, I go as a clown. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's no. Fun. I, I, yeah, I've never gotten, a, I've never been afraid of clowns. Insurance salesmen, I don't like them. No, especially, yeah. but not when they're dressed as clowns. No, okay. yeah, when they're clowns, it's fine. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're not an insurance salesman. Um, so do you have your Emmy speech written? No. no Why not? you got to be prepared, that. no? No, no, no. I don't know. Because you have a good shot. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I know. But I, those are, everybody else is, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's some great, you know, Eugene Levy and Ted Danson, all those people are pretty great. And I, I love Fleabag. I just think that show's amazing. So um, it's, I mean, everybody said it's just nice to be in the conversation, you know. Did you expect when you were first, because Barry took a while to get made. Yeah, it took four years, yeah. Yeah, so did you, how sweet is it to see the success? Yeah, no, it's nice, especially with all these great shows on television, you know, to, to be to a, rise a, a to part the of that is pretty... It's pretty great. I mean, mo mostly I think because we just start writing it, or I, I start working on it in two weeks that, uh, um, you know, you're just trying to keep track of the story mm -hmm. and understand where all the characters are and stuff. So it's, it's, uh, it's just the making of the thing is really exciting. And then all this other, you know, the award stuff is, is a great surprise and it's a massive honor. And I mean, we, you know, getting to tell Getting to call Anthony Kerrigan and telling him, like, hey, man, you got nominated for an Emmy. So great. And he was like, you know, he just couldn't believe it. You know? So, so it how many sweet. seasons do you see it going? I don't know, man. Hopefully, I don't know. I don't want to put a number on it because I know it'll <laughs> change. So, uh, but do you I, have I the know. story thought out? Yeah, well, there's something that we always knew that it, it needed to hit, and it was in our initial thought, right. like, when we first talked about it. And we haven't gotten to that yet. And every season I write that on the board of like, okay, and then this happens. And then in season one, a bunch of story kind of pushed that off the mm -hmm. board. And then season two, I put it up there again. <laughs> and then we got, we came up with more story and it pushed it off the board again. So hopefully uh, season three, we can get to that, that place. Right. And then we'll, we'll have a better idea of how much longer we got. And Leslie Jones announced she's leaving SNL. Yeah. What's your advice to someone that, that, that weekend that they wake up and they're like, they're not doing it. I, you know what? It was hard for me to watch it. It was, was really it? hard for me. Yeah, I sat down, I got like popcorn. I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch it. And, and uh, you know, the show and it's gonna be great. And then it was watching your gaming polar, polar set. It's like watching your own funeral. You just feel like, wow. well, I'm not there and everyone else is there and this is weird. And mm -hmm. so I, I couldn't finish the episode and I, I went and saw the movie Prisoners, <laughs> which is really dark. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I wow. went to a late screening of Prisoners. I go, I just need to get out of my house. And I went, <laughs> I was like, I'm feeling kind of sad. And I went to Prisoners what and was the? like, what? This, this was a terrible, life. This is a, that's a great movie. But, but I was did like, you read this the long so, line? <laughs> I just like Denny, uh, I can never say his name, uh, Denny, uh, yeah, yeah. phenomenal yes. director. And I was always excited about that, but I just went. What was I thinking? This is so dark, you know. <laughs> How long did it take you to finally be able to watch it comfortably? Um, probably when I went back and hosted. Really? Yeah, it wow. took me a while. Yeah, it was hard to, just because it's it's like your house. It's right. like it's like your home, you know. So, but yeah, I love it though. Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. No, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Always so thanks. Great. Yeah, thank you. That was It Chapter 2 star Bill Hader. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it's James McAvoy. Find out what James told me about joining the It family, plus he weighs in on the not-so-successful X-Men Dark Phoenix. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back. Here's James McAvoy. Hello, Mr. James McAvoy. Hello, Harvey. How you doing? Good, man. Not too bad. So, did you see the first It movie before you even started talking to them about this one? How did it all work out? Yeah, briefly. I saw, um, I was doing X-Men. Me and Nicholas Holt went for Burgers and Movie Night. And uh, we saw It, Chapter One. And then the next day, I was in work uh, doing a scene with Jessica Chastain. And she went, how did you feel about the movie? And I was like, I thought it was really good. She went, oh, that's good. And I went, why? And she went, because I'm pro-, she was like, I'm probably going to be the older Beverly and the director really wants you for the older Bill. And I was like, <laughs> yes. So then Ka-ching. do you wait till they call you? Or you say, well, you know what? You hear these things a lot in your career. People yeah. are always like, hey, you know what? I've got this great script for you. Or like, oh, I really want you to be the next Gandalf or whatever it is. Right. And you're like, oh, wow, great. And as years go by, you realize that unless you see yourself on the screen at the premiere, don't believe you're in the movie. Do you know okay, what I mean? so what, what role have you been told you were going to get that you didn't? Oh, <laughs> um, I, actually, I actually had a meeting with a director who I later, when I was a bit more successful, was going to do a very, very big movie with. Uh, and then he fell out of that movie and another director did the movie in the end and I didn't want to do it because it didn't work out. My family left at that point. But uh, he directed something. It was only for a small part. It was just at the beginning in a flashback to play the younger version of, I think it was John Hurt. And, um, and we hugged and we had a great meeting. We cried in this meeting. And as I'm walking out, I hear the director going like, you know what, I think we found our guy. I think we found our guy. So I phoned my agent. I was like, Ruth, I think I've got the part. I think it's like, he's going to call you. And all that stuff. Never heard from them. Never heard from so them. this was by young John Hurt. And then years, yeah. years later, <laughs> I was going to do a big project with this guy. I had sat down and had dinner with him. He was like, it's so good to meet you finally. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> listen, I've got a bony pick you. You called him out on oh, it. Oh, totally. He's a cool guy. He didn't mind me calling him out on it. Yeah. So who was it? I'm not telling you. Because then you know what I'm the two films are. I'm going to do a little detective work. <laughs> it's not fair to the other actors. But yeah. So what is it about Pennywise, the dancing clown, that people just love? Love and feel scared. Of- well, we're all, we love being scared. Whether it's the Tyrannosaurus Rex or it's a Pennywise <laughs> Saurus Rex. Um, uh, we love being scared, you know. Um, and he's just that extra level of creepy because 
That is just something about clowns, and uh, I mean, maybe I'm some not people that kind of clown person. I'm, I'm, I dress as a clown for Halloween, like you a do? like a happy clown. Yeah, I'm not into it. I'm always like, there's easier ways to look happy. There's less creepy ways to make me laugh. You're grown man covering your face with a mask or makeup. What are you You're hiding? You're really shaming and me also, right now, James. You're really clown shaming Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> Tell a joke. Don't fall over in an exaggerated fashion. Um, and then also, the grubby. The costumes are always dirty and just slightly, slightly dusty. I don't know what kind of clowns you're hanging out with, but my costume is clean. I don't know, man. I'd I take a deep look at it. <laughs> I, I think it needs a deep clean. Hot wash. Um, so did you study Jaden to sort of try to get his mannerisms? A little bit yeah. um, from the movie. One of the weird things is that when you do any character, really, you generally create a backstory and a history. Mm -hmm. What was really unique about this whole process was that I had a whole movie that sort of provided me with visual memories of my character being oh, played yeah. by another actor. And I didn't have to invent those memories. They were there for me, uh, not just like in the material like that, like Literally actual realized with music, with like yeah. beautiful scoring <laughs> to tell me how I should feel about them. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff, it was cool. Um, and I've never had that before, that was really cool. Um, so yeah, it was also an opportunity to study Jaden. His openness really, Bill, one of Bill's greatest qualities is that he's incredibly open and vulnerable mm -hmm. and, and quite at home with that actually. Um, Where is Bill at when chapter two begins? He is hugely, successful um, novelist and screenwriter. It's seen as a bit of a middle of the road kind of, you know, good yarn spinner, but maybe a bit of a hack as well. Um, and uh, like the rest of the losers, they've all gone on to become great successes in life. And yet, none of them are quite satisfied. None of them are quite happy. They all feel that there's a hole that they can't fill. Um, and that there's a trauma that they can't really fix. And they don't know mm. what that is because they can't remember Pennywise. He doesn't even remember Georgie, to be honest with you. He doesn't even remember that he had a stutter. He doesn't mm. even remember any of that. So he has to go back to Derry. And, and if the first movie was a sort of coming of age tale and rites of passage tale for these children, I think in a weird way, us as a group of adults, we're regressing back into childhood. So within five minutes in the first scene of us all together, you know, we are coming at it much more like adults. Like, mm. oh, you've got a fashion business, that's great. And then like five minutes later, we're telling each other, you screw you, fuck you, and right. like, <laughs> you know, like throwing food at each other, you know? And I think that it's important for them to reconnect with their, their the child inside because they've been robbed of it by the glamour of, of Pennywise and the magic of Pennywise. But also this movie, I mean, it's not just a horror movie that you go to and like jump out of your seat, which I did a lot. Um, it's some serious subject matter. I mean, we're talking yeah. homophobia, domestic violence, suicide. First, like, seven shaming. minutes. And let me tell you, that was tough to watch. Yeah. My husband and I turned away. That was, in that, you know, they weren't even going like, and Pennywise is pulling the strings. No. It was nothing. It was just like, that's America. That's our life. Pennywise hasn't even come in yet. Right. And the world is fucked. It's terrifying. Um, and there's a darkness there. And that is one of the things that I think that Stephen King was writing. He doesn't just write about horrors. Right. He doesn't just write about the supernatural. He writes about small town America. He writes about America. He's fascinated by America and particularly that neck of the woods of America. And, um, uh, and he was saying, you know, like Pennywise is here in this part of the world for a reason. Do you know what I mean? He's mm -hmm. here in this little place. There is a darkness in Derry. And, um, and you know, if you like that, that the extension of that is spreading out. But um, 
when I saw that, I mean, I'd read it, but when I saw just how unflinching uh, Andy was in how he portrayed that, I mean, I, I was taken aback. But mm. I think that, that that's one of the reasons why I love the film, because whether it's the sentimental moments or whether it's the brutal moments, mm. whether it's the romantic moments, whether it's the hilarious moments, of which there's many as well, uh, or whether it's just the pure terror-inducing moments. He mm -hmm. goes for it so hard all the time. And I think that's true to Stephen King, because he didn't just write a horror movie. He wrote a coming-of-age story. He wrote The Goonies meets Stand By Me, which he wrote yeah. himself anyway. Um, uh, a horror story. He wrote an adventure story. He's a metaphysical, psychedelic, trans-dimensional story about a clown and a travelling turtle. That you, you make don't a great marketer. I do, You'd make a I? great marketer. Thank you. That one line on it was really good. Which one? Transmental. Transdimensional. Transmental. <laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's a and seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> My next question: pressure. Seven hundred million dollars. Not a hundred million. Not two hundred. Keep going. No three. Seven hundred. I know. And all of you are like, nah, pressure, and they got to right? make that just to pay me. I mean, whew. wow, that cost So <laughs> it's you know the overheads have gone up. Um, yeah, no, you're paying the adults now. Um, uh, yeah, it was a lot of money. Um, but again, I'm never really in this business to to go and see what's happening right. at the box office. It is an indication that you've got bums on seats, and you always want to find an audience. Um, uh, you don't do this to tell your stories to nobody, you know. Um, but it's not so much about the money, it's just about finding an audience and people getting excited about coming to see. There's nothing better than when it comes around to the weekend and you're wanting to go and see a movie. And it's cool if you're the only one that wants to seek out this little niche movie or whatever. Right. But when everybody wants to go and see it, I had that experience growing up, I'm sure you did, when there was like three channels <laughs> and everybody would go into school on Monday morning and everybody had watched the exact same five shows. Right. And we all talked Not about anymore. it. anymore. And like when the original TV version of it came out, yeah. you know, we were all obsessed over it and talked yeah. about it and discussed it. And it's almost like we were all in the same club and you don't get that much anymore. Yeah. So when something like this comes along and you get a big box office figure like that, what it means is you can have a, com a truly communal experience and share that. Because funny, like a drama or a romance, you can sit there and appreciate it. You don't really know if anybody else is liking it, but with a comedy or a horror, there's a real visceral response that lets you gauge whether it's working or not because they either laugh or they sh like jump in fear. And when we all feel like that in the theatre, it's just brilliant coming together. And you got to work with Stephen King. I know, I know. It was, did you um, know that was happening? How did, did they tell you beforehand or did you pop into the store and there he was? No, I, I knew he was coming. In fact, um, I was really nervous about it because I've had I've worked with novelists before. I've not worked as acting, but they've been coming visit and stuff, mm -hmm. and they've always been like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you're not really how I see the role. <laughs> and you're like, okay, buddy. Um, I'm going to go do my job. You can sit there and um, have tea and have people bring you biscuits. All right, thanks for delivering that to me before the the cornerstone moment <laughs> of my performance in this movie. Um, so I was a bit wary. I'm also a fan of his. Um, and I had loads and loads of questions, not even just about it, but other things too, um, to which he answered generally with, you need to remember I was high as a kite when I wrote all this and I don't even know. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he was just being self-effacing and not right. wanting to talk about it too much. But he was brilliant in the scene. 
the scene was written in the book, this curmudgeonly old Mainer, and um, and he's brilliant. He's observed that. That's how why it exists because he observed that so beautifully, and so he was actually kind of tailor made to play that as well. Um, but when we got there on the day, the scene had been cut massively, and all these great like one-liner zingers that oh. were putting me down for being too big for my boots. Like you know, when you go back to your hometown or your family or your friends, whatever, feel like they need to bring you down right. a peg, and you're like, oh wow, I didn't realise my head was big, but okay, go for it. <laughs> He's got that going on, and Stephen King definitely brought me down in that scene. But anyway, so all these great one-liner zingers are gone. So I found myself arguing on Stephen King and the character's behalf to put Stephen King's words back in Stephen King's own mouth. <laughs> I was like, this is so surreal. I feel like you're literary agent. You know what I mean? It was, it was brilliant. It was really cool. So I want to talk to you about Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Didn't do as well as people had hoped. What happened? Know. What happened? I don't know, man. I really don't know. I thought it was better than Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But it got absolutely slaughtered. So I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Because it, it was a good movie. I thought it was a good movie too. How many movies are you going to do with Jessica Chastain? Five teen. Five um, <laughs> I'm thinking roughly 15, 12 teen or 15. Um, uh, I've done four technically with her now, and I do not think I've done more than maybe 12 scenes with her across those four <laughs> movies. I'd like to do a movie where we actually do some acting right. at each other, and that would be awesome. How long should Disney wait until they bring X-Men into the Marvel Universe? 12 teen centuries. <laughs> would you ever revisit it again? 12 teen times. <laughs> And you're going to do the stage. I'm going to do the stage. Yes. I'm going to do it hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to give my Serrano. Um, uh, start rehearsing on October the 14th. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So can I even ask, like, movies, TV, stage? What What's your true love? What's... When it's good. Mm-hmm. When it's good, definitely the stage. Um, when it's bad, I'd much rather be in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> if it was going to be, if it was a bad, mo- if it was a choice between a bad movie or a bad play, bad movie. If it was a choice between a good version of these things, it would be a good, pl- a good play. I'd rather be in. I'd be in a bad movie or a good play. So you just want things to be good. I do. You just want things to be good. But if they were going to always be good, then plays are a more rewarding and fun experience. You know. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you very Thank much. You, Cheers. You're awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That was James McAvoy. Now we're going to take another short break, but when we come back, Pennywise himself, Bill Skarsgård. Wait till you hear his theory of why he thinks It Chapter 2 ends the way it does. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So... If you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's safe to say 2020 was one of the most difficult years ever for so many. And these remain very challenging times. That's why I'm here to ask you, how can I help? My name is Dr. Gail Saltz, host of the new weekly podcast, How Can I Help? 
with Dr. Gail Saltz, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm a clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, a psychoanalyst, best-selling author, and I'm here to help. Join me every Friday where you can ask your most pressing questions and get helpful guidance on topics ranging from coping with anxiety and mood, relationships, to family and parenting issues, to workplace dynamics, to dealing with COVID fatigue, and everything in between. While it has been a tough time, you don't have to navigate it alone. So, how can I help? You can send your questions anonymously to me at help at SenecaWomen.com and I will answer with specific advice and understanding. Listen to How Can I Help with Dr. Gail Saltz on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Here's Bill Skarsgård. Hello, sir. How Hello. are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. So you're making, you're making it the first movie. <laughs> Did you know you were going to be making two? Was it all like a signed deal to begin with? Uh, yes, unless I really screwed up with the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a possibility. <laughs> I thought halfway through, I was like, yeah, they're, they're not going to bring me back for... Uh, but it, uh, here we are, two movies in. When did you know that you got Pennywise right? The shooting of the first movie felt like the, the character was uh, kind of coming to plays throughout the whole process of it. We shot the storm drain scene, which is the opening scene of, of the first film. We shot that the last day of the shoot. It was the last day. Yeah. Wow. I think, you know, we worked on it all day. It was, it was a long scene, and, and um, we got to a, clo- a real, you know, the, the, the kind of the closest, the, the closest as you get, you know, the, close, the closest shot of, of, of that uh, scene on me and in the storm drain. And, you know, Andy's, we were just like, okay, do it again, do it again. And that was also the scene that I auditioned for. So it was a scene that was like so overworked for me. Mm-hmm. Like I just had, it had been having it for so long and right. working on it for so long and, and, and <clears throat> tried different things with the character with that scene. And then that take, um, you know, was, we kept rolling. So it was a five minute take and uh, everything kind of just fell into place. <laughs> and we, you know, they were like cut and like Andy came up with and he was, you know, so excited. He's like, we got, I mean, that was, I mean, we've been doing the scene for not only, you know, a couple of months at this point, but also, you know, eight hours. And that very last take was just something happened. And I was like, okay, it's good that I figured the character out on the last day of the shoot. (laughs) (laughs) And when did you figure the voice out? On the last day of the shoot. <laughs> yeah, I know a little bit. It was a little bit like that, you know. Yeah. Like I mean, um, so which was weird, but it, it, we, you know, we uh, we tried a lot of different things, um, and we experimented with things uh, even after you know. And when I was casted, and you know, we even during the days, you know, we were like, oh, what, what if, what if we try this, and what if mm-hmm. we try that, and how does this translate, and how does that work, and everything. Um, so. Um, yeah, and and then it was it was a strange feeling, and it, and it's it's not you know I I, I, can, and 
I feel it in, on a lot of you know movies that I do. It's like that that kind of feeling that you feel it. You figure the character out on the very last day of the shoot, and it, it's, it's 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 not uncommon because I mean it is you, it is a working progress. Like you prepare for it and you come up with all these ideas for it, and then you have to kind of live through it and perform all the scenes in the movie to go like, oh, that's what the character's about. Um, sometimes you get it when you watch the movie. It's to be funnier, <laughs> but um, but um, but yeah, I have I have a bunch of different recordings of. Of uh, you know early renditions you have, of you have them yeah yeah oh wow <laughs> uh, of, of of Pennywise and and uh, his voice uh, I mean it it always it, it, there was always something there that's that, that kind of ended up being the real voice but I, I tried like really low pitch really high pitch and then this kind of crackling maniacal <laughs> thing you know would you wake up point. in the middle of the night like with a recorder next to your bed going wait I think I know the voice yeah and start yeah. recording yeah <laughs> yeah. What was it like looking up into the mirror for the first time and seeing yourself? In the makeup? As, yeah, and seeing yourself as Pennywise. Well, it was great because um, this character is so weird to prepare for, um, obviously. But one part that was, that was completely new to me was that um, the makeup and the, and, the, and, the, and the costume is such a big part of who the character is mm -hmm. and how he acts and moves and talks and all of that, you know. So um, I had prepared for weeks without knowing what, you know, really what the makeup would look like on my face. Just the voice. The voice. the voice. Yeah, no, the voice and the laugh. And, but like literally filming myself and looking myself in the mirror, you know, with the, doing the face face but, and, and everything, but not having it on. So the first time we got it on was for a, for a test shoot, you know, um, and... Uh, yeah, and you know the whole process. I think it took probably like four hours to apply at that time because like, we cut it down to <laughs> two and a half. But the first time was took really long. But in, in every stage of the way, it was just me sitting because you you know you sit in front of the mirror, uh, um, uh, the vanity mirror, watching yourself. And every step of the way, I was like, okay, how does this you know work with the you know with how does it translate and, and and what does it look like and and um, and um, you know I was fascinated. I was like, how does your how does my face translate onto the makeup? So I would do the same thing then. I was just like I would I would just film kind of myself doing the scenes and doing things and kind of trying different things and then look look at it later, being like, oh, okay, well that that's kind of cool and that's kind of cool. Because mm. it's which almost is, like you're doing two faces. Because you have your face, then you have the clown face. Yeah. You know what I, it's <laughs> like? You're working like I don't know how to explain it because I'm not an actor, but yeah, like you have this clown face, but you're this kind of human thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you get you get to see it in the second film without the makeup on, and like it's 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 almost even more unsettling when it's a human <laughs> looking like that. <laughs> like, oh, that's what he looks like. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> so, where has Pennywise been for over two decades? He's just hibernating and you know waiting to get his powers back. Um, there's there's a you know the um, the second film is very you know. Strange and abstract in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, um, and rightfully, you know, it's doing justice to the book, which is even weirder and even stranger, <laughs> um, like conceptually weird. I mean, it multiverse, and you know, there's a turtle, and there's like <laughs> a lot of very strange things going on, um, and um, but there's a section in the book, and and you know, obviously we've. All the actors in it, and and, and you know, uh, me personally, have, you know, used this book as kind of a bible and tried to like decipher what mm -hmm. what you know the meaning of 
of this book is and what Stephen King meant. And um, uh, I'm not sure he knows what he meant anymore <laughs> with it, <laughs> but it's there. And it's I mean it is it's amazing. And it's, but it's but it's 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 very out there. And but there is a section where there's a short little chapter in the very long book where where Pennywise is it's it's talking it's talked through Pennywise's point of view. Mm. Uh, um, and uh, you get this like or it, or its point of view and it's this like very kind of basic childlike simple creature like a, like a rested development <laughs> yeah well way. he's just you know it's it's um he's just um you know, and he goes, oh, these stupid kids, and they don't leave me alone, and na na na, and the turtle is dumb. And it's like, it's kind of this, it seems like a child wrote right. it, right? And, you know, and, and, and all he wants to do is sleep and eat and sleep and eat and sleep and eat. <laughs> That's all he wants to do. Um, um, so, uh, so the 27, it was a very long answer to your short question, but like those 27 years when he's been dormant, he's, he's just resting. It's what he loves best, actually. Right. Comes back, he's hungry, he needs to eat, he scares some kids, <laughs> eats them, and then he goes back to hibernation. And that's what he wants to do, and that's what he has been doing for you know, millions of years. Um, How did Pennywise for you change from the first movie to the second movie? Um, well, I mean, I wanted to have something like that, the... The, the the first one was Pennywise in his kind of element. Like he was just he was it was more routine for him. Like he comes back and he does these things, and then obviously the kids, you know, for the first time he meets kind of adversaries that 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 put him to the test and almost defeat him in 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 the first movie, and that's never happened to him. So mm-hmm. like the the last line of Pennywise's last line in, in the first film is fear. And um, um, you know the way I wanted it to be is that for the first time, this creature has has experienced fear himself for the first mm-hmm. time. So that is that's sort of his journey in the first movie that he oh this thing that feeds off of fear, and 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 um, scares others and that that's kind of where he exists and 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 you know your own personal fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first time, he's been afflicted by the same, the same emotion. And something's ch- changed in that. Um, and then so coming back in the second one, uh, he's, 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 there's something different about him and, and being exposed to that. And, you know, we just explored a bunch of different things that, you know, uh, may not be too apparent in, 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 the, in the final version of the film, but there's a lot of, you know, ideas that I was kind of talking or thinking about as, as Pennywise kind of coming back seeking revenge but there's this kind of masochistic idea that 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 you know in the very end of the, of the of the film where when he does finally get defeated it's it's it might be what pennywise wanted all along <laughs> really yeah yeah why do you say that well because it's you know i just thought it's i just thought it was a fun idea that you have this evil entity that's just i mean everything about what the character is is just you, like you cannot like yourself, right? <laughs> like, you're so miserably angry and you know maniacal, and he's, he feels like this kind of you know cancer. Mm. Um, at least me performing it feels like it's just so much bad stuff that you know I thought that for that being it to exist, maybe what he actually wants, you know, if you know maybe existence is a torture for him, a form mm. of torture for him. So. So him finding the kids and, and you know if you look at it that way, it's uh, Pennywise 
wanting the kids to bring back the losers right. and them all together to kill them. To kill them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I mean, listen, as you said, you know, Pennywise is like a cancer. He's just he, she. What is it? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. What is it? Mm. It's vile. But then the movie deals with some really realistic heavy material. I mean, the movie just opens with this horrendous gay bashing. So there's yeah. homophobia, there's domestic violence, yeah. there's body shaming, there's suicide. Yeah. What do you tell people they're expecting? They're going to go to a horror movie, they're going to be really scared, but it also leaves you thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the movie is, is so abstract and out there, right? But the, the movie opens with something that is so so very much a reality, you know, and, 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 and it's a very real scene and it's very brutal and it's violent. Real. My husband and I looked away. We yeah, watch it. no, but it's, and, and, and I think it's, it's there's, there's a point to it, that that is what you, you get introduced to and then that leads into this very kind of over the top, you know, fantastical story. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a little reminder that, that you know, the it or the evil entity of it and Pennywise kind of lives in, in all of us and, and, and it does take real root and form in society and you know that is a, a way of setting it off you know um, and I think I mean I, I heard somewhere that you know Stephen King initially like why he wanted to write the book was was because um, a, a hate crime like that did happen um, so um, you know that is a very real thing that does happen and, um, and and then you get introduced to Pennywise the Clown as kind of the, the embodiment of that kind of thing. So your last day on set, how do you say goodbye? What do you grab? What do you take home? Um, do you cry a little? No, I'm I'm, I'm not very sentimental that way. <laughs> like I the, the actually last, uh, so we we did we did go back and shoot a little bit of uh, you know additional scenes. So so th- those ended up becoming you know kind of the, the last thing that we did with Pennywise, but. The last scene I did was um, um, the scene. It's funny because I got this question like a couple of days ago, and I couldn't, for the life of me, remember what the last shot of, of the of the movie was. Um, I think I was like, "Oh, it's my death scene," but now looking back to it, it's like that, that's not at all what it was. But it's, so the, the scene was um, 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 where when when Ben is, is is getting suffocated by by all the sand coming in. Mm-hmm. And I look down and I go, oh, you're like, and I, sh- and I close the, the <laughs> clubhouse, you know, uh, door on top of him. And I go, you fat, fatty little loser. And I, and I shut it and I, and I leave. And that was the last thing that we did. And we played around with it. And Andy's, he, the, Andy Muschietti, the director, he, he loves filming so much that, like, he just wouldn't call a cut. <laughs> so it's like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And I because he, he knew that was the last scene, the last take that we would do of the movie and he was just trying to hold on to it for as long as he could. That's awesome. Uh, and then finally, you know, uh, he said his kind of trademark thing was his spit and, and, and um, um, that means that he's got it. So as Pennywise I spat into <laughs> or towards the lens at least um, and, then, um, and then I handed um, Andy the, the buck teeth. So, nice. so he, the teeth. he has the yeah, he has the teeth. Um, I kind of regret that I didn't take him myself. <laughs> now. <laughs> awesome, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank this you. This was great. That was it. Chapter two star Bill Skarsgård. You can also watch my big ticket interviews with the stars of It Chapter Two. Just go over to Variety.com. 
And of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. That's it for this week's Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. See you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.